don't just go out there and become a GoPro hero, as I call them, and uh, think that you got a GoPro for Christmas and you're now a storm chaser. It is much too dangerous and there's too much at stake. I wouldn't mind being called a GoPro hero. I think it's a pretty cool title. But as storm chaser Jeff Stevens says, you have to know what you're doing if you're going to go chase after severe weather. You've got to understand that, uh, interpret what the clouds are doing. You know, because you're, inherently you're going to get in positions where you're not going to have, you know, all this technology. And the only thing you've got is your visuals. And that, to me, is learning what clouds are what and not thinking that a scud cloud is actually a funnel and a funnel is not a tornado. You know, just understand the fundamentals of it. Stevens is one of the storm chasers who helps us out at KRLD when there's severe weather in the area. You don't do it because it's not something you're passionate about. It's beautiful. You know, as dangerous as it could be, it's what you see at it. It's all perception. So I've seen lots of cloud covers of just beautiful structures and, and rolling shelf clouds and things like that. It's sunsets are my bag. I'm never upset if we end up on the backside of a storm with a sunset. I'm Bailey Friday, and with the arrival of severe weather season, Texas wants to know, what's it take to be a storm chaser? So just tell me kind of about severe weather and why we get so much of it in spring. Why more now than at other times of the year? Well, spring's the uh, perfect time of the year where we get to still have us cold fronts that come into the area. And we have also two or three days of southerly winds gusting to 25 to 30. And if there's a big body of water to our south. It's called the Gulf of Mexico. And it's a clash of air masses, surface moisture, upper level dynamics. And uh, also a lifting mechanism, which is the cold front, as well as surface heating out the head of the cold front. So again, all those ingredients, we're just in a perfect spot here across the United States. Uh, we're in the southern fringes of the main tornado alley. Dan Brunoff is the chief meteorologist at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas-Fort Worth. He says radar helps to an extent. But until we get some sort of ground truth or a storm spotter or a storm chaser saying, hey, yeah, tornado warning, that tornado is on the ground. Because a lot of the circulations that radar picks up, they don't reach the ground. So that's one of the most valuable things to have as many eyes on the ground looking at the sky as possible. Yeah, honestly, that's one of the things that spurs my friends and I along and myself. Because a lot of people will not take warning seriously unless they see it with their eyes. Because there's so many tornado warnings that end up not producing a tornado. That's Jennifer Stark. She is another storm chaser we rely on at KRLD. So people tend to not take it seriously. So when I chase, I report to social media, I report to KRLD, I report to whoever to get the message out, this is happening right now. Even if it's not a tornado on the ground, if it's a severe weather situation, our main mission is to show the local community what's happening so that they take it serious. We're able to see what nobody else can see on the ground level. So if a tornado is radar indicated, that doesn't mean that it's on the ground. Right now, our technology doesn't, I mean, I don't foresee that changing. It's technology is growing, but I just don't see the, the complete removal of needing eyes on the ground. Because I can tell you, you know, if I'm sitting off of FM 1630 and, and County Road 323 and I'm saying, hey, there's a lowering, this is an actual touchdown tornado. We have a confirmed tornado on the ground. And you've done some storm chasing yourself too, right? Yeah, 40 since I could drive. So I'm going to give my age away here. So 41 years. When you're watching a tornado or one of these huge storms coming up, how do you know where to position yourself so that you don't die? 
Well, I tell you, the um, phones are great. There's really good radar apps out there. So basically, the best way to chase is to chase with two people. Some people that chase by themselves are really good, but it's best to have a navigator slash meteorologist. And that's used, that's me. And I like to be in the passenger seat and then have a driver. That's a good driver, a safe driver, and has the knowledge of uh, weather as well. So you pretty much tell him where to turn, where to go, where to stop. And it's all about looking at radar and, and tracking the storms. The one part about storm chasing, though, in areas, this, you don't get cell phone service in some areas when you're in the middle of nowhere, USA. So then it's all visual. Then you have to watch the storm and, and put things of reference in the foreground, like a wind turbine or something, to see if the storm's going across the turbine, it's moving parallel to you, if you're moving the same way. Or if the storm, if the tornado is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger compared to that turbine, that means it's coming right at you. So how did you get into storm chasing? So as a kid, I lived in Western Oklahoma, and a little place called Lawton, and I used to watch uh, KSWO Channel 7. I remember there were, we, all, we always got these tornado warnings and weather and stuff, and I was like, man, I want to go see that. And my, my grandmother was like, that's dangerous. Don't do that. Joe Biza is a storm chaser who lives in the Cullen County city of Melissa. And so as soon as I got my driver's license, I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't have technology back then. I'd see it on the news. I'd see them break in. And I'd say, oh, I'd jump in my car and I'd drive out and go looking for it. Didn't know what I was looking at. Didn't know what I was looking for. I'd just go drive around the middle of it, get run over. Didn't know, didn't have a clue. <laughs> I found a camera in a house that I, I rented back in like 06. And from that point, I was like, well, I'll try to shoot some things. I've always been interested in weather and things like that. But that night, I had a storm come in, and I think I got a thousand pictures of nothing, but it made me really want to try more. And so I just kind of delved into everything I could learn from it and started chasing about a year later. I did that a lot, and then finally I started kind of learning, okay, that kind of looks different, and that looks familiar. I'm seeing that. And so, and then I went to work at a place, and one of the guys I worked with, he was, he was, he was chasing a lot. And so I started kind of hanging out with him a little bit. And so he was like a local spotter for, for the city. And he was very knowledgeable about cloud formations and different things. And so he just kind of started teaching me what I was looking for. And I was like, okay, yeah, I got that. And I've seen that before. And that's kind of how it just kind of took off. I've been obsessed with weather my whole entire life. Doing a Skyworm class, I learned the basics, how to spot and read clouds, basically. And that's what started it all off. But I just kept it up and it, and it became a passion. And I think if you, anything that becomes a passion is something you're not going to let go of. We met Biza in a Plano Costco parking lot on a cool, sunny day in mid-March. There was no severe weather. If there was, it probably would have been a little bit uh, tougher to get him to sit still and talk to us, right? Because he would have been out chasing the storm. As it was, clear day, we were able to get an inside look at some of the tools that he uses to track severe weather. So what am I looking at here? It looks very high tech. You've got a screen in your car. You've rigged it with all this weather watching gear. Okay, so what I have here is just a basic computer. It's a, it's a two-in-one tablet computer. I use a couple different radar programs. This particular one is, is uh, it's called the Baron Mobile ThreatNet. It's a subscription-based system. It's actually built for Windows 98. So it's, it's old, it's outdated, but it's really good. And when, uh, the good feature about this is it uses satellite for your data. So you out there some places in West Texas, 
eastern Colorado. You don't have no cell phone coverage. I mean, it's it's nothing. And so you always kind of want to have your radar going with you. So I'm looking right now at the map, and it looks like you've got all of North Texas pulled up. Can you kind of tell me what we're looking at? I'm no meteorologist. Okay. So, so basically this right here, this is there's there's no weather right now. So this is just kind of, this is, this is the radar. So it's got my vehicle on here. It shows we're in Plano. Um, each ring represents five miles. So I know when the storm's getting close about how far I am away from the specific object or part of the storm that I'm looking for. You can zoom out in here, and it's just like a regular, it's just a radar system. And so you can kind of look and see what's going on. You got, you got some weather radars picking up some flurries or something out here in West Texas uh, at the panhandle of, out there by Oklahoma. A little bit of rain out to the west, out toward Childress as Wichita Falls and Childress out that direction. And so it just gives me a lot of information. I have a little basic little handheld anemometer. That's what this is called. I'll hang it out the window, and, and I can get a wind speed off of that. It's, I'm not sure how 100% accurate it is, but it's close enough where if it's 70 miles an hour, you know it's a lot of wind. As you may remember, on March 2nd, some severe weather hit the Dallas-Fort Worth area. While the tornado threat didn't materialize, straight-line winds were measured at more than 80 miles per hour in some places. Part of what I did while I was out that day, you know, I called into the radio station a couple times with some reports, sent a few emails with pictures. I also uh, reported some of the damage I was seeing to the National Weather Service. We also have storm chaser Joe, who joins us now live. He came through Denton County, another area that was pretty hard hit with these strong uh, winds and very heavy rains. Uh, Joe, what are you seeing? Um, yeah, so we came up 35 after, after the initial line blew, blew, blew through there. And uh, just, just south of the I-35 east and west split, there, there was some kind of manufacturing facility or something. I couldn't really tell what it was, but I, and I'm not sure if the roof got blown or the side got blown off, but a lot of, there, there was a, a ton of debris. I picked up a nice little storm cell that was re really, really pretty to look at. And we tracked that thing from Denton all the way to Sherman before I finally lost it in the road network. I said, well, there's another line coming. And so I went from Sherman to Gainesville back to uh, Fort Worth and got to Texas Motor Speedway. And I just kind of sat at Texas Motor Speedway and waited on it to come in. And when it when it came in, I mean, it was, I got some video of some power flashes and, and the winds kicking, pulling the dirt up to the cloud. And, and, and it was moving pretty fast. So with traffic, Chasing inside of a city is very difficult because you got traffic, you got stoplights. On my list of reasons of why I love Texas, weather, probably going to be the top. And I'm not talking about the hot summers because honestly, I could do without that. It's these storms that we see and the sky and the clouds. I love it. I think it's so interesting and so beautiful. I love the feel of the world right before a big storm hits and the rolling, grumbling thunder in the distance, the smell of rain coming. When I was working as a reporter at a newspaper right out of college, I was at a state park reporting on something that had nothing to do with weather. But it was about a 40 minute drive back to the newsroom and we had some severe weather coming in. And as I was driving back, it was a pretty rural place. So just a bunch of fields everywhere. I could see clouds rolling in. I saw a wall cloud coming and I could see the rain in the distance and some circulation up in the sky. And my editors were calling me like crazy saying, where are you? Oh my gosh, get back to the newsroom. We're taking shelter. We need you to get in here and take shelter. But Dan and our storm chasers have seen way crazier things than that. One time in West Texas, we were going parallel to the tornado and it decides to strengthen in what's called right turn, okay? And that's when, uh, let's say the tornado, El Reno is a great example back several years ago up west of Oklahoma City, where you have a tornado developing, it's small, it's moving west to east, and all of a sudden it strengthens and decides to go south. 
unfortunately, I don't get to go out as much. I say unfortunately because I do miss it uh, because when storms are affecting us here, you know, I have to be on KRLD covering the weather. So I get out in West Texas dry line or up in Oklahoma from time to time, as long as it's not impacting Dallas and Fort Worth. So I haven't had a lot of close calls because I'm not one of those. I do. I am an adrenaline junkie, but I'm not going to get right next to the storm. I'm going to keep a safe enough distance, especially when I have my son with me. So even though you haven't had a lot of close calls, were there any moments where you felt afraid? I'm more afraid of lightning, believe it or not, because you're out of your car, you know, a lot of times or truck and, and watching the storms and you're the tallest thing out there. I mean, there's no trees. It's this farmland and lightning can strike up to 10 miles away from an existing thunderstorm, believe it or not. So I've almost been struck three times really, really close and felt the heat on one of them and even knocked me to the ground. So I usually, when the storms approach, I'm the guy that's staying in the vehicle half the time. <laughs> because know, that was a huge fear of mine when I was a child getting struck by lightning. Yeah. And the large hail too. We missed our exit one time in Southern Southwest Oklahoma and there was baseballs coming out of the storm and we missed the exit to turn around because it was moving right towards us. We were going right into it. And so we had to get to the next exit a mile up and we barely made it. Some close calls, but fortunately, I, I, I try to keep a pretty safe distance. And that's what we encourage everybody to do. But there's some that uh, core punch the storms. That's called core punching and going right into the storm, which I do not recommend. So for me, the scariest thing is probably big hail. Oh, yeah. The big hail, you know, tornadoes, you can kind of see them in a distance and you, you can get out of the way. And as long as you don't get too close. But the hail, if you get wrapped up in the hail, sometimes I mean, they'll, they'll break windows. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll crack your windshield. I mean, you get dents in your car. I'm pretty good about avoiding the hail. But there was a couple times, you know, um, there was a time probably a couple, a couple seasons ago. We were wrapped by Childress and um, the hail was coming down the Red River. And we knew it was baseball and softball size hail. And we was like, we don't want to mess with that. And so the storm was coming, and so we started headed south. Well, the storm kind of made a little bit of a right-hand turn, and we got to the, we went down this road south, and we ran out of road network. And we all we could do was pull over and wait. And that hail was coming down. It cracked my windshield. It put dents, huge dents. You know, that, that was probably the scary. The wind was blowing real hard. That's when it gets kind of nervous. And, and that, that's to me, that's the scary stuff is the big hail. Some of the situations that I've had, uh, New Cordell, Oklahoma, we had one go right over top of us went into that town and did some damage there on, I believe it was March 26, 2016 on I-35 right in front of TMS. I could have my date exact wrong on that one, but TMS, we, uh, we took baseball size and even larger softball size about 70 miles an hour sideways and uh, lost. Yeah. We lost uh, a lot of componentry on the top. I lost every window I had in the, uh, the Durango I was in. Well, there was one time in, I think, 2016, I was chasing a tornado warned storm in Lake Ray Roberts, Valley View, Gainesville. And we chased it across the bridge. It was the bridge over the lake. And we didn't know it, but the road dead ended. GPS didn't tell us this. So we get there. We had to turn around and go back over the bridge, over the lake. And there was a forming tornado. Basically, it was embedded in the storm and we had to drive through it. There, I mean, it wasn't a there was no circulation on the ground or anything, but our ears popped and all of that. It was a little intense. What were you thinking in those moments where the tornadoes like forming on top of you? What was going through your head? Honestly, like when you do it for as long as I've done it, it kind of the business side kicks in, your training kicks in and you don't you don't have time to be afraid or to be worried. You just kind of do what you need to do to get out of the situation. You know, there's definitely an adrenaline especially when you start out and you see the first storm go up and you see the first form, like the first beautiful structure of the day, it's exciting. It's awesome. Like 
I always tell people when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you see this beautiful structure, it is absolutely mesmerizing. You cannot take your eyes off of it. So are there any misconceptions you think about storm chasing? Yeah, not not everybody's a bunch of backwood hillbillies. Because <laughs> a lot of times you see some people that they show some guys that they look like you know some somebody sitting out there with their moonshine chasing a twister, right? <laughs> it's not really that way. A lot of the folks that are that are out here, they're very knowledgeable. A lot of them are meteorologists. A lot of them are just really you know, interested in what's going on in the weather. Did I mention I love storms? Yeah, I think we've discussed it. But one of the things that drew me to them in the first place was the absolutely iconic award-winning, though it deserves several more than it got, movie, Twister. So come on, I mean, I had to ask. How accurate is the movie Twister? They did a pretty darn good job. <laughs> good. They, they really did. The effects were great. Um, it's Hollywood, of course. Uh, I think it was in the late 90s uh, when that came out. They did a really, really good job. The only thing that was Hollywood-ed, Hollywooded, I don't think that's a word, but Hollywood-ish, you don't see that many tornadoes in one day. They had a rough day. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't seen a flying cow yet, but uh, that may be another thing on my bucket list. And I want the cow to survive, of course. Uh, But, you know, we've got cows is one of my favorite lines (laughs) in Twister. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me on our podcast, Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're in North Texas, make sure to tune into KRLD anytime severe weather pops up. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones, original music by Michael Eisenstein, editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.